So if you have your Bibles with you, um, we're going to look at uh, Colossians uh, 3, 1 through 17. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We'll have words on the screen. There are uh, Bibles in the pews if you um, need one. They are there. So we're just going to get right into it. Um, thank you, Jonathan, for um, giving me a few extra minutes um, of my message time um, with that first song. Um, um, I felt like we were on fast forward. I can't speak that fast. So I wanted to give it a positive spin, right? So he, he did it because he wanted me to be able to, to teach longer. So thank you. Jonathan, everyone is grateful for this opportunity. So Colossians 3, Paul and Timothy write, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. With Christ, who is your life, appears. Then you also will appear with Him in glory. The first few words that he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Well, he's specifically talking to the Colossians or the, the people in Colossae who have given their life to Christ, who have said, Jesus, I want to live for you. I, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive my sins. And then they've, they've pledged to live their life for Jesus. And as we've been looking throughout this letter, we've realized that just because we're Christians, just because we're devoted to Jesus, doesn't mean there won't be times where we get misled. Where we take information that we think is of God that may possibly not be. But all throughout, what he's tried to continue to tell them is, live into what you've been taught. Don't just try to take it as head knowledge, but transport it the 12 inches to your heart. Live into what that knowledge that you have. And to do that, it says, set your hearts on things above. That's not always the easiest thing to do for us, is it? Sometimes it's difficult to keep our heart and our mind focused on things above, on, on things of Christ. Have you ever had those moments where maybe you're in the middle of those things where it's like, wow, I'm not focused at all on like what God would want me to do. I'm kind of thinking the wrong direction. 
If you're one of the lucky ones where you have that thought in the middle of something going on versus after it's already happened, that's a good thing because you can course correct, right? But sometimes the majority of us, maybe I'm the only one, tend to find things out after we've said something stupid, something that we probably shouldn't have said, even when we were right and we didn't need to say it. Keeping our our hearts focused on God. So he goes on, verse 5. He's going to show us how to do these things. He says, To put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Put to death. That, that's a kind of a complete end to those things. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in those ways. But also rid yourselves of such things as this. And then he goes on and he says, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. What he's actually referencing in that last phrase or those last few things there is actually things in the church. Things that we like to bring into the church. Our anger, our rage, our malice, slander, filthy language. All things that come from the mouth, that come out of the mouth. All things that cause disunity in the church. How can we put to death our old self? How do we do that? Well, it's by living for Christ. One of the phrases that I love, and it gives me assurance, that blessed assurance that we just sang about, he says to take off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed. There's an important word in there, being It means it's a process. It's not completely done. You don't go from being wicked, evil, to being a saint, holy, and perfect. 
You don't. It's a process, not that we'll ever be perfect, but there's nothing wrong with pursuing perfection. But we're being renewed. Meaning that when we mess up, it's part of the process. When we do something wrong, when we sin, it's part of the process. It's what we do after those things that is what makes us stronger. Have, have you ever had something in your life that was, that was a habit? That was something that you didn't really need to think about doing, you just did it. But it was sin. And you realized that it was sin and you realized you needed to change some things in your life. And so you started working on that in your life. And over time, you kind of look back and you realize, I'm not doing that anymore. I used to do that without thinking, but now I just, I don't do it anymore. See, it's that process of being renewed. It's a day-by-day, a moment-by-moment process. But what do you do when that old self tries to come back? How do you respond when that old self tries to come back? Kind of like 80s clothing trying to come back. It needs to stay where Satan left it in the 80s. Don't bring it back. But things in our life, they, they kind of pop up. It's almost like Satan wants to remind us that he's still there. Oh, remember when you did this? Or remember when you did that thing that you despise, but you still did it anyway? What do we do in those moments? When you look at your life and you look back, can you see a difference in your old self versus your new self? What was your life like before you said yes to Jesus, before you asked Jesus to come into your life? Does your life look any different? Or is it still the same? I'll let you answer that one. Verse 12. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we were going to summarize that kind of paragraph it would have to be love is at the center of all of those things. You see, as God's chosen people, 
He chose you. Do you realize that this dying for everyone's sins is a corporate thing? But it's so much more than just kind of this mass saving of souls because it's individualized. It's personalized. Because your experience with Jesus is not like mine. Your story of redemption is not like mine. It's not like the person sitting next to you. But you have an individual story with Jesus Christ. When it says that we use the word holy, being holy is being made holy. You didn't do anything to make yourself holy. You can't do everything that Scripture even tells you to do and be holy. You see, you are made holy through your relationship with Jesus, through what Jesus did for you. No amount of work, no amount of sainthood can get you that status apart from Jesus Christ. But he says, I love the phrase, clothe yourself. See, God is really good about putting things in ways that we can understand them. Okay, so why does Paul use the phrase, clothe yourself? Why? Any any guesses? Okay. When you got up this morning... I'm assuming for most of you, apart from a few kids and maybe a few husbands, you picked out your clothes. Some of you will get that later. You picked out your clothes and you put them on. But it was a choice. Even if someone picked out your clothes for you, you still made a choice because you put them on. You see, Paul can tell us and Jesus can tell us to to be compassionate and humble and and be gentle in nature. He can tell us to do those things, but at the end of the day, it's a choice whether you choose to be humble, be gentle to one another, that you bear with one another. You have to make that conscious decision to clothe yourself with those things. You have to make that choice. You see, part of following Jesus is not just praying a prayer one time, but literally praying a prayer every morning you get up. That's another opportunity to live for Jesus. And praying, God, I need you to help me do the things that I should be doing as a follower of Christ. I want to clothe myself with compassion and humility and gentleness. I want to do those things. But I also admit, I need your help to do it. Because if I try to do things my way, it's not going to be all that humble. It's going to be kind of look at me, right? It's it's not going to be all that gentle. 
It's going to be brash and just get to the point already. But I need your help. I need your help, God, to, to be able to do the things that you're even asking me, even commanding me to do. So it goes on in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish. Admonish means to warn or reprimand. So teach or admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Notice he does not say sing to God on key. He just says sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let the peace of Christ. This isn't a, a peace, like a, a peace treaty between nations. This, this isn't a peace that ends a war. It's not that kind of peace. It's a peace that goes way beyond that. It, it's this internal spiritual peace of even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of pain, rejection, and suffering, there's a peace that can only be brought by Christ. I know when, when I came to Indiana Westland my freshman year, and I told you, I, I, many times I've told you that I knew God, but I didn't have a relationship with Him. And I went to a Christian university, right? You know, like, duh, what are you doing? Um, well, God knew what he was doing. Thankfully, I didn't. And I go, and I realize in the moment that I gave my life to Jesus, in in. Philippi Performing Arts Center in, in the back section, sitting in the second seat on the very back row. Like I can literally see it like it was in this moment. My roommate, Andy, was sitting to my left. And when I accepted Jesus, I felt that thing that some people say, and it's like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, the, the, a weight just was gone. A weight that I had in my life that literally I felt on my shoulders, and I just felt relief from it. But you know, when I woke up, the things that I was struggling with were still there. The things that I needed to work through were still there but I had a completely different peace as a follower of Jesus that I did not have 
that previous day. And it was because of that relationship that had just begun to be built that I knew of. You see, because as I look back through my childhood, I can see moments where God was poking. <laughs> like, um, hello. But I wasn't listening very well. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When Paul uses this word rule, There are a lot of different ideas about it, but when we actually get honest with ourselves and we break it down, what that means, this is what the commentator, uh, Scott McKnight, says. He says, The Colossians are to render decisions regarding behaviors on the basis of what furthers the peace of the one body. The one body being the church, the kingdom of God. He goes on and says, Peace as a method of discernment has been consistently ignored in the history of the church. In making your decisions, in choosing between alternatives, in settling conflicts of will, a concern to preserve the inward and communal peace that Christ gave and gives should be your controlling principle. When you make a decision, what as a judge, you, you, you take your gavel, you hit the, I don't even know what it is, I just know you hit the gavel, that's the gavel, that's what you hit with, little hammer looking thing. I'm just going on because I know Judge Barker's over here like, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> When they make the ruling, it's final. You see, when a judge makes a ruling, he's making a ruling based on the law. But as followers of Christ, when when we make a ruling, it's to preserve the inward peace within us, but also the communal peace that is within the body. So when we decide, when we make a decision, when we say this is the ruling of our life, does it stand against the church? Or does it add to the peace that Christ brought into the church? says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The message of Christ. What is the message of Christ? Well, the Greek translation for message is the word logos or logos. And and the word logos is translated as word. And the word is in reference to the word of God, which we know from John 1 that the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, Emmanuel, God with us. And so when it says the message or the word of Christ, the the gospel of Christ, the word of God, let it dwell among you 
richly. The logos is to dwell among you richly, which refers to the clear ways the logos or the logos is to take root among the people as they follow what he goes on to tell you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, when we teach, the center of what we teach should be the Word of God. When we correct, when, when we admonish someone, when we warn them, when we hold them accountable, at the center of all of those things is the Word of God. What does God tell us that we should do? Some things that we face in life are, are those gray areas where we have some leading, but we're not 100% sure because there's not a black and white answer. But you know, there's a lot of things in Scripture that are black and white answers. Either do this or don't do this. But at the, the Word of God is at the center of our lives. There's no question which one has more authority. But the question is, which one do we allow to have authority? Which one do we allow ourselves to be clothed with? Is it the word of Christ? Or is it the word of Dustin? The word of John? The word of Samantha? Or the word of Jennifer? Oh, I'm going to pay for that one later. Jesus, what were you thinking? Don't let that come out. I'm blaming it on the Holy Spirit. So when we are being renewed through Christ... There's a, there's a head change that has to happen. There's a heart change that has to happen. And there's a life change that gets revealed through the transformation that's taking place. So I want to challenge you with something. This week, and, and this isn't like, as I was writing this, it was like, people are going to think that's kind of awkward, but um, this isn't meant to be awkward. So don't take it awkward. Now that you're going to think it's going to be awkward. Um, but here's what I want you to do this week. Every time you take off your clothes and every time you change into new clothes, I want you to reflect on what it means to take off your old self and put on your new self. And then I want you to pray that God would continue to remind you that you have been made new in Christ. Every time. If you're like my kids, you're going to get plenty of opportunities. So think about that. A tangible thing. 
that we can add to our life of something that we do every day, right? Well, not if you're my son. Um, but we change our clothes like every day, right? Hopefully multiple times, maybe day. And what if we think about that, not as just putting on clothes, but today I'm putting, I'm deciding in this moment that these clothes that I put on, I'm putting on humility. I'm putting on a gentle spirit. I'm putting on a heart of, of compassion today. I'm going to live through the love of Christ today. I'm going to show people Jesus' grace. I'm going to forgive somebody today just as Christ forgave me. I think that's going to change things if we actually do that. Because you're taking a simple thing and you're making it revolve around Jesus. And you're like, oh, you're getting weird now. You can call me weird all you want. But if it makes you center your life on Christ instead of something else, I chalk that up as a win. We want Jesus to be more and us to be less. More of Jesus, less of me, less of you. Christ alone is enough. Think about it. Stand with me. If you just reach out your hands and just receive this blessing. Jesus, right now over each person here, each person watching online, God, I pray that you would help us to clothe ourselves with compassion, with love and gentleness, with humility. God, I pray that you will help us to step into the life that you've called us to. That each day would be one step further into the life you meant for us to always live. God, I pray that you would just continue to work in our lives. That you will help us to to put to death those things that we were always meant to leave behind when we said yes to you. God, help us to live into what it means to be renewed each and every day. May our lives be surrendered to you in all of our ugliness so that the beauty of our hearts that you created can be revealed to the world. And that at the end of the day, we can all say it was because of what Jesus did. It's because of what Jesus has made me. Not because I did anything. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.